January 17th. And now, as we look into the New Testament, our reading today will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. We'll read about hostility. The religious leaders were waiting for an opportunity to attack Jesus, and he deliberately gave it to them. What a tragedy to be burdened by legalism when you could enjoy the true Sabbath rest. When Jesus is your Lord, all of life becomes a Sabbath, and every place is God's temple, even a grain field. And, of course, we'll be reading about hypocrisy. The Pharisees were concerned about keeping the Sabbath, but not about showing love to a man with a handicapping condition. Jesus wants mercy, not sacrifice. Do you use people or serve them? We'll read about victory. Jesus is the stronger man who has invaded Satan's house, overcome him, taken his weapons, and is now claiming his spoils. Put on the full armor and join him in victory. And now let's begin reading today here in the New Testament. January 17th. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off heads of wheat and eating the grain. Some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Your disciples shouldn't be doing that. It's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. But Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what King David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and they ate the special bread reserved for the priests alone. That was breaking the law, too. And haven't you ever read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned those who aren't guilty if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices, for I, the Son of Man, am master even of the Sabbath. Then he went over to the synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Is it legal to work by healing on the Sabbath day? They were, of course, hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had one sheep, and it fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you get to work and pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, it is right to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand, and it became normal, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting and discussed plans for killing Jesus. But Jesus knew what they were planning. He left that area, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to say who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, and I am very pleased with him. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout. He will not raise his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the smallest hope until he brings full justice with his final victory, and his name will be the hope of all the world. 
What's up, guys? It's Jordan Fillmore. Uh, just phased up to two. Um, all the guys at the farm, uh, stay strong. Good luck to you. Um, all the other brothers, uh, to those I haven't met and those I will, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, really happy that I came here. The refuge is a great place, and uh, it's really changed my life. And uh, now that Jesus is leading me, uh, I couldn't be happier from where I came from. Hey guys, it's uh, Luke up here. Just got up to phase two. Um, just telling you guys down there at the farm, new guys and the ones that have been there for a week, just to uh, stay strong, stick it out, uh, invest in the process. These guys know what they're doing. I know it's going to be hard sometimes and you're going to have bad days, but if you make it through it, stay focused on why you're there. Put God first in your life and you guys will be all right, I promise you. Uh, love you guys and stay safe. Hey, fellas down at the farm, this is Art. I just wanted to let you guys all know I'm very proud of you. Uh, you know, stay strong. Uh, you know, keep following God's will and all fall in place. I love you all down there. I'm about to give you something that is pure gold. If you've never heard it, you need to write it down. You need to live your life according to it. It is in the scriptures. It is in Matthew 18, verse 14. Okay, this is a process. More than a process, it is a principle to live by. And it is how you are to be diligent in preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It is how you are to pursue conflict resolution, to bring resolution when there is conflict. Whenever you don't like someone, Whenever you're frustrated with someone, whenever you're angry at someone, this is how you're to respond. This is called the Matthew 18 principle. Number one, it says, when your brother sins against you, you go and tell that person in private. Just you and them. It doesn't say call your mama and vent to her. It doesn't say call your best friend and complain to her or him. It doesn't say go and tell everyone else. It doesn't say blast it on Facebook. It doesn't say send them a Facebook message or tweet it to, the, to your 2,796 followers. It says you go to them in private. This is your first response. You go to them, hey, when you did that thing the other day, when you said that, it hurt me. It bothered me. I believe that you've sinned against me. When you said that thing that you said, this is what you said, and it hurt me, and I believe you sinned against me. And, and what happens often when you do that, before you go and tell everyone and cause all these layers of cleanup that needs to happen, you go to them, and a lot of times what will happen, they'll be like, what? When I said that, and the Spirit of God will just work because God will, will honor the process when you're obedient to it. Then the Spirit of God will, it will just stir their hearts and they'll say, man, I didn't, I didn't even know. That's not even what I meant. You heard that? That's what I said? I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me when I said that? I, I, that is not what I meant. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you guys can be reconciled and God is honored. Now, there's another outcome. What? When I said, what? I didn't even say, what are you talking about? Why? You're such a baby. How come everything bothers you? You're so sensitive. Man, I, don't, I don't even want to have this conversation. Like, what is your problem? You're always picking on me. Go away. Okay? There's a step two to the process. Okay? It says, grab someone else and take them with you. Not necessarily somebody who has already sided with you. Okay, not someone's like, yeah, you're right, let's go tell them. But, but just someone, some unbiased character that knows both of you that will come back. And, and then you just you go back and you say, hey, 
hey, listen, when you, you did that thing, I told you the other day, it, it bothered me, or, or it, it, you sinned against me, you, you hurt me. And a lot of times they'll say, hey, you know, after you left the other day, I've, I've been thinking about that, and I, I wasn't sure at first, like I thought you were just being a baby, but the more I think of it, and now that I'm hearing them say the same thing, I, I realize that I, I, I grieve the Spirit when I responded in that way, will you please forgive me? And you guys can be reconciled. It says you've won your brother back, you've won your sister back. Every now and then. You say, oh, what? Oh, so now you're going to bring him with you? Oh, it's like that? What, y'all are teaming up on me? I don't even want to talk to you guys. Hey, get, get out of my face. Go away. I'm not listening to you. Okay, there's a third step in the process. All right, now you go, and it says you tell the church. And so you come to us. You come to someone on staff. You go to their community group leader, and you say, hey, here's the deal. So-and-so, the other day, they sinned against me in this way. I went and I told them in confidence, they were frustrated. I went and I took somebody with me, and they were frustrated. And so now we are widening the circle. We are bringing others in so that they might be reconciled to the flock. And we're letting you guys know, can you help us work through this? And God honors that process in miraculous, supernatural ways. That will bring peace to your life if you would stick to that principle. Okay, now every now and then the church goes to them and they say, what? I'm so angry. I can't believe you did this. I'm not going to repent of this. And I would tell you there are good reasons to break fellowship with someone. Okay? But you, you do that as a last resort. And so what is a good reason to break fellowship with someone? Unrepentant sin. All right? When someone is in sin and they do not repent of it, they say it's not sin. They continue to justify it. They say, I will not stop doing this sin. Then that is evidence of the Spirit of God not at work in their lives. And so the Matthew 18 principle says that you're to treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. How do we treat pagans and tax collectors? How do we treat pagans? Anyone. Love. We love them. We love pagans. So the scripture says you treat them as a pagan or a tax collector, so you love them and you share the gospel with them. That is what you do in that scenario. Okay? But you would break fellowship. You'd say, hey, we're no longer going to worship this God together because I'm enabling something in you. You think that you're worshiping that God while you are living in a life in sin. And that's loving. And then the Spirit of God will often stir their heart through that scenario, and they will come back and be reconciled to the flock. This is the, the principle that is outlined in Scripture. But I will tell you, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5. David loved God's house and longed to dwell there in fellowship with God. He yearned to be like the priests who lived in the tabernacle and had constant access to holy things. David wished he could even be a guest and pay God a visit. But did he qualify? Does anybody really qualify? God's children have open access into His presence through the work of Jesus Christ. He is our high priest and advocate in heaven, and He welcomes us. We come on the basis of His righteousness, not our own. But we had better be sure we've experienced the cleansing of Hebrews chapter 10 before we rush into His presence. Now this psalm helps us examine our walk, our works, and our words. The inventory includes our relationship with others, 
how we keep our promises, and how we use our money. Meditating on this psalm and pondering these qualifications could help us deepen our relationship with God. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5, a psalm of David. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to slander others or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise persistent sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who do not charge interest on the money they lend and who refuse to accept bribes to testify against the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. My child, don't lose sight of good planning and insight. Hang on to them, for they fill you with life and bring you honor and respect. They keep you safe on your way and keep your feet from stumbling. You can lie down without fear and enjoy pleasant dreams. You need not be afraid of disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Psalm 15 